during the worship, I felt like I heard the Lord say, it's time to buy more chairs. We're used to spreading out. I take a chair and a half because I got to put my purse on and my book. Get used to squeezing in. Everybody take showers on Sunday mornings, put on deodorant. Ladies, lay off of the perfume. I'm guilty. Like, because we're going to have to squeeze in. It's time to buy more chairs because what God is doing here can't be contained here. And there is a sound being released into the heavens. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release your sound into the heavens over Fort Bend County. And we say revival is not coming, but it is here. Behold, I see a, a cloud in the sky the size of a man's fist. The rains are coming. Gird your loins. Be prepared to run because revival is here. And so we release it across Fort Bend County. We say to the sick, to the dying, to the hurting, to the lost, to the blind, to the lame, to the deaf, to the dumb, come because there is a water here that is of healing. There is a fountain of healing here. And so we declare it in the name of Jesus. We release it in the name of Jesus. We prophesy it in the name of Jesus. This isn't hopeful. This isn't, this isn't a wish. This isn't hype. This isn't emotionalism. This is the spirit of the Lord declaring on the earth as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. And so we declare it, Lord. You have said it and we give you our amen. We give you our agreement. We give you our very lives and we say, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name. That is not my sermon. I can't start where I was going to start. <laughs> We're in a battle. I don't know if anybody else has been in a battle, but I've been in a battle. I've been in multiple battles. One battle ends and the next one starts. And I feel like the enemy is trying to keep us distracted. He's trying to keep us in crisis mode, moving from one crisis to the next so that we never get to what we're supposed to be doing for God. It's just one thing after another. My husband, on July 26, he fell. He busted three discs in his neck. He's been in excruciating pain ever since then. Before that, it was something with the house. Before that, it was something with the kids. Before that, it was something with work. Before that, before that, before that. It's been just one crisis after another. Why? So that my eyes stay on the crisis instead of on Lord, instead of on God. And so we've got, I, I preached it last time, we've got to learn somehow in this life, because it's, it's whether we do it to ourselves, maybe we spent money on things that we didn't need to impress people who didn't care. You know, may, maybe it was a generational thing, you know, your mama had it, and your grandmama had it, and your great-great-great-grandma had it, and so now it's trying to come on you. Maybe it's, it's just because we live in a world that's fallen, and bad things happen, the flat tire happens, the... The air conditioner breaks down. The kid goes off on his own way. Like, things just happen in this life. Or maybe it's the enemy trying to pull focus from what God has for us to keep us so busy in crisis mode, in pain, in hurt, in sickness, in debt, in whatever, that, that he's trying to keep us focused and pulled away. But somehow or another, we've got to learn where to put the crisis in the level of priority. And let me tell you, it's below Jesus. <laughs> it's always below Jesus because Jesus didn't call us to survive. He didn't call us to barely make it by. He didn't call us to barely like squeeze into to heaven, but he called us to have a life and have it to the full, to have it in abundance. And I'm not talking about riches I'm talking about productivity 
He's, he's called us to a destiny. He's called us to, to a purpose. He's called us for a reason. He created us for a reason. There were generations way before us. There will be generations after us. But we are here to make a difference. And there is fruit to be produced in our lives. And it won't be produced if we're constantly letting ourselves be pulled into whatever drama, to be pulled into whatever distraction, to be pulled into whatever crisis. We have to learn. We have to get to this place where we say, though you slay me, I will trust you. Though you slay me, I will believe in you. No matter what comes, I believe you. No matter what comes, I trust you. No matter what's happening, I surrender. And I will get on with your business. Your business. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They can run and not grow weary. They can walk and not faint. Those who wait, that word wait is quava, Q-A-V-A-H. It means to get into a crouching position waiting for your prey. It's not waiting in a hammock for the things of God to fall in your lap. It's not sitting in a waiting room waiting for your number to be called. It's not sitting by the TV waiting for your lottery number to be pulled. It's not waiting on Publishers Clearinghouse to bring you the money that you're expecting. It's, it's hopeful expectation waiting for God to move. That's a different position than just sitting back and saying, well, God, if it's your will, just let it land there. But see, it, it doesn't make sense. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But it's this active thing that seems to be sitting still. But you've got to remember, we're in an upside-down, inside-out kingdom. See, we've got to believe before we can see. We've got to die before we can live. We've got to step out into the water before we can walk on it. It doesn't make sense. But in this place, we have to, no matter what's going on, because in the times when the pain is eating you up, in the times that the relationship is broken, the medical report isn't good, the bank account's in the red, in those times of pressure, in those times of stress, in those times of confusion, disappointment, criticism, betrayal, in those times, that's not when you want to actively do anything. All you want to do is hide from the world, turn on the TV, tune in, tune out, drop out. Like, that's what you want to do. You want to have a few glasses of something to help take the edge off. You want to pop a few pills of something to take the edge off. You want to just tune out. You don't want to do anything. But in this upside-down, inside-out kingdom, before you get the strength, you wait on the Lord. So you think, you think, okay, God, you bring me my promise, then my strength will be renewed. You think, you bring the breakthrough, then my strength is renewed. You bring the, the healing, and then I'm renewed, really, because I'm healed. But in this kingdom, you actively wait, looking. It talks about it's, it's actively looking. You're looking around. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is he? Where is this opportunity? What is he bringing? What is he doing? Because when you're looking for him, you're not looking at your problem. You're not looking at your issue. Now, I am not saying that we live in this la-la land where we, we deny 
that there's any problems. We deny that there's issues. We deny that there's pain. We deny that there's sickness. I'm not saying that we deny anything. I'm saying that what I see with my eyes is not the truth of what God has said. What I see in this world, what I feel, my feelings, my, my feelings, my issues, my thoughts, my problems, my family, whatever, that's not the truth of what God has said. It may be the reality I'm facing, but it's not the truth that I'm battling with. And so when we can get into this, this position where we are looking to God, where we're waiting for that thing, we're, we're, we're actively pursuing, we're actively looking, even though we're waiting, we're actively looking. That's a place where we're trusting him. That's a place where we're surrendering to him. Because if I'm looking to him to come through, I'm not looking to me to come through. It shifts our focus. It, it turns our eyes, it it, it changes the, the position of our hearts. Because, see, God doesn't care what the position of your body is. He cares what the position of your heart is. He doesn't care what your position in the company is. He cares what the position of your heart is. He doesn't care, you know, that you come to church six times a week and, and you may give the biggest tithes and, and you think that you're this and that. But the basis of your heart, what's on the inside of your heart is rotten. See, he's after our hearts. In the Old Testament, it was all about what was happening on the outside. You had to wash your feet. You had to kiss the thing on the door. You, you had to bring the sacrifice. You had to wash your clothes. You couldn't, you know, after a woman had had her monthly time, she couldn't be around. And she had to go through this cleansing. But in the New Testament, Jesus watched how the woman, how the widow gave. In the New Testament, he said it. If you just hold anger in your heart towards someone, hatred towards them, you've already murdered them. See, it went from the outside to the inside. And that's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to take some stuff from the outside and take it onto the inside. Because when he gets on the inside of us, then what's on the inside of us can push what's on the outside and start making a way for the kingdom. And so this morning, you're hearing this. And so now, guess what? You're responsible for it. <laughs> you got a choice to make. Am I going to let myself be ruled by the current crisis of the day? Am I going to let my thoughts, my feelings, all my emotional energy, all my spiritual energy, all, and I don't mean weird new age stuff. I just mean, you know, am, am I going to let all my brain space be eaten up by the problem of the day? Or am I going to put that thing in its proper place and put my thoughts on God? Put my thoughts, and that sounds so cliche, and this isn't at all how I practice the sermon, so forgive me, like work with me here, but, but put our thoughts on what God has said. You know, a lot of us, just a few weeks ago, we got prophetic words. There was a prophetic minister, and I mean, he ministered to Everybody in the room. Since then, my husband and I, because he fell back in July, but we have listened to those words over and over and over again. We took communion. We would listen to it. We had a little routine because y'all know I love me a good routine. So we'd listen to the word. We'd listen to his word. We'd listen to my word. And then we would take communion. 
as a prophetic act that we are taking that word in, that we are receiving that word into our bodies. And I would anoint him with oil and then give him his pain pills and put him to bed. <laughs> That's just the reality of what we're dealing with. He's got pinched nerves. We're having surgery on Friday. It's gonna, he's going to be back to normal. But unless a miracle happens between then and, and we don't see any issue with having surgery, that's not saying that it's not a miracle. It's still a miracle that they can even do this kind of surgery. It's awesome. But the Lord has spoken to us so richly, each one of us. I mean, words like this morning, but then specific things to each one of us. Those, are, those, those aren't just fuzzy moments that make us feel good. Those are weapons. Those are tools. Those are food that is to sustain us. That is, that is the strength of the Lord coming on the inside of us whenever we can look and expect and hopefully wait for the answer of the Lord. And we can say, Lord, I know this is coming because you said, Pastor Easy, keep wearing your vacation clothes. You are going on another vacation. You are going on another vacation. Keep wearing them. I know it's, it's not right for somebody of his age to be that strong, but he's never done anything that was right for his age. He started a church at 60. You know, when he was 20, he had contractors. Like, he's never been at the right age. So that's fine. That's fine. And so, Lord, we just speak to his bones. We speak to his muscles. We speak to his organs. I speak to even his skin. And I say, strength. Strength be restored in the name of Jesus. Hearing be restored in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that they get to go on another vacation, and it's a fun one. See, it says in Isaiah 40, 27, Why do you complain, Jacob? That's not talking to a person named Jacob. That was the, not country, the people of Israel were called the children of Jacob. Why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives power to the weary and increases the strength of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But... But, now but's a conjunction. Some of you, that I, I only watched this on YouTube because I was too young to remember this. Maybe, maybe not. You know, conjunction, function, what's your function? Like, you remember that? But is a conjunction. And it's, 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 it's one where there's a pivot. So you're going down a sentence and you hit but and it pivots. Okay, so it's saying that even the weak grow tired, even the weak, even the young, they get weary. But, meaning pivot, those who anxiously, expectantly hope, wait on the Lord for his answer, for his breakthrough, for his strong arm, for his provision, for his healing. Those who are waiting for the Lord in expectation, their strength is renewed. And so if you've been in a battle and you just feel like, I am so exhausted, I am so tired, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot go another day. I cannot go another round with that kid. I cannot take another day of that boss. I cannot look at that bank account another night. I cannot 
whatever. I can't deal with this pain anymore, Lord. I am telling you, the way that the Lord is giving us the tools, the, the strategies, the, the patterns that he's working in is that we turn our focus and we start saying, God, I, I thank you that you are the God of the breakthrough. You are the God of the breakthrough. You are working even when I don't know that you are working. You are working on my behalf even when I can't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't know it, God. But long before I was even born, you had this all planned out. Long before I am after here, there's going to be seeds that come out of this. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are God of all gods. You are king of all kings. You are everything I need. And when you do that, strength comes because you stop looking at the problem and you start looking to the strength giver. See, in the Bible it says that we behold him dimly as if through a veil, but it's in a mirror, and we become like that that we behold. If we look at a crisis all day, all night, all day, all night, we become a crisis. If we look at an, an issue, a problem, a, a, something depressive, I mean, you want to get depressed? Watch the news. And I'm not saying we should be ignorant about what's going on in this world, but there's a way you can watch it and not get depressed because you're still focused on the God who's the God of it all. And so today, God is, is, is calling us to put our crises into the proper perspective. He's wanting to put it in the proper order. Why do you think we sang so much about his glory and, and, and the wind blowing and his presence coming? It's because he was preparing hearts. Because he wants to do some business on our behalf. He wants, he's, he's ready. You, you think you're ready for some breakthrough. He's ready for some breakthrough. <laughs> he's ready some from people that have so much of the love of Jesus on the inside of them that they actually take it to Walmart and they talk to the little checker girl, that they actually take it to the restaurants where they go and they actually prophesy to their waitress, that they actually take it to their workplace and don't act like the rest of the drama kings and queens, and they actually kind of set the standard of this is how we're going to take care of this issue. Like, he's, he's looking for some people that will actually take his kingdom out. But that means we got to have the kingdom in, and I know you're loving that I'm saying the word kingdom, Kirk. I know it. It's, it's good. But like Kirk preached last week, I'm trying to help you change your perspective, your perception, so you can change your perspective. I'm trying to help you change the way you think about your crisis. Your crisis is not your life. That is not your destiny. That's not the thing that God has for you. You know, the Bible says that he has good things planned for us, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the thought of man, all that the Lord has planned for you. The things that he has planned for you are not crisis. It's not drama. It's not disappointment. It's not delay. It's not brokenness. It's not hurt, pain, sickness, disease. That's not what he has planned for you. And so if that's what you're experiencing, you're not living fully to what he has planned for you. And that I'm not saying that to make you feel bad like you're failing I'm telling you that so that it gives you hope that there's something more for me this is not my life I've been telling my husband than that because he's just pain just shooting down his arm he's he's lost strength and and grip and feeling in his right hand and I'm like baby this is not your life 
This is not your life. This is not how it's going to be. You don't have to learn to live with this. This is not how it's going to be. God's called you to do all these things. You can't do it without a right arm, so it's going to be fine. We're going to get it fixed. It's going to be all right. God is working. See, you got to tell yourself, this isn't my life. This pain, this broken relationship, this hurt, this bank account, this whatever's going on, this isn't my life. This isn't what God called me to. This isn't what I just have to suffer and endure for Jesus. No, this is what the devil is trying to pull you away from what you're really supposed to be doing, which is getting people saved, getting people healed, getting people to know Jesus. Because God didn't plant a garden to produce no fruit. And I know that's not grammatically correct. All you grammar folks, forgive me. But he doesn't plant trees to be dormant. As a matter of fact, non-producing trees, Jesus cursed. And I'm not saying Jesus wants to curse you. Nobody freak out. I'm saying it's his purpose, fruitfulness, productivity, advancement. You realize that when he spoke, let there be light, light is still being created in the universe. Because what he says, it never falls to the ground. And so what he's spoken over you has not fallen to the ground. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't stepped back. He hasn't given it to somebody else. He hasn't said, well, plan B, it's still plan A for you. But you've got to put the crisis in the proper place. Put the drama in the proper place. Put the pain, the sickness in the proper place, and it's under Jesus. And so now you've heard it. Now you've got a choice to make. Because I'll be honest, I'll be honest. For some people, maybe not all, for some people, drama can get addictive. Any of y'all know some drama addicts in your life? Crisis can get addictive. I've even seen some people use their illnesses to get sympathy, attention, prayer. Oh, I just need you to pray for me. And, and they do need you to pray for them. They are sick. That, that's true. But there's a side of them that loves the attention and the care and the concern. And so they get, they get to this place where it, it feels good. So then if they let go of the sickness, they may not get the attention that they used to get. I was at a medical conference out, a medical missions conference out in California, and there was a doctor, an actual uh, surgeon, that... He had uh, done surgery on this woman and uh, fixed a leg, but then something happened with her hips and the other leg was short. And so he prayed with her and her leg grew out, like grew out. A few weeks later, she comes back, the leg is short again. And he asked her, what happened? And she said, I didn't want the healing because then my sister wouldn't do anything for me anymore. Okay, people, put your toes under the chairs. <laughs> I might step on them here. Sometimes, if we're going to be really honest with ourselves and transparent with ourselves, 
When we've been in a season of crisis after crisis after crisis, drama after drama after drama, issue after issue after issue, it, it gets to where it feels because we've been in this battle for so long and we've been beat up for so long and maybe we've got some little issues of rejection and maybe we've got some issues with abandonment and maybe we've got some issues with whatever because, you know, we're humans and we've got issues. But it gets to where we, we kind of start to enjoy all the attention and care and concern and the prayer and, and the phone calls and how are you doing? Just wanted to check on you. That feels so good when somebody cares for you, especially if somebody hasn't cared for you or you felt like somebody wasn't caring for you all that time. And we can kind of get to where we don't quite really want to give up the drama because it's become our identity kind of like the blind man. What was his name? Blind Barnabas. Did I say that right? Barnabas? It sounds weird. Huh? Bartimaeus. Mm -hmm. So blind that guy. That was his name. And he's blind, and he gets to just sit at the gate, and people do stuff for him. People lead him wherever he needs to go. People bring him food. They bring him money. They bring him clothes. They bring him stuff. They pray for him. They give him sympathy. They give him attention. He gets healed. He can see. He's got to go get a job. he got to take care of himself. He's got to get his own clothes, his own food, his own housing, his own shoes. He's got to get up and walk himself somewhere by himself. When you've been in it for so long, it changes who you are. And you've got to be willing, like the guy in the temple when he had the crippled arm that he was used to hiding, but he only had one arm, and Jesus said, stretch it out. Let me see it. We have to be willing to let this go and accept the change that it'll bring. That can be a challenge for folks because they've gotten used to it. But I would so much rather be productive in the kingdom. I would so much rather have Jesus be productive in me. I would so much rather have a legacy left behind me. And I know that sounds heady, but it's, it's, it's what the Bible promises, and so I, it's not. I would, I would so much rather have it be that Three generations from now, because some girl stood up there and preached this word that somebody else's life got changed and now they're in the kingdom because I was willing to say it, then to hang on to whatever little creature comforts, whatever little attention or whatever I can get from my problems and drama. And so today we have a choice to make. When we say, Lord, we give it all to you, we have to be willing to give it all to him. And accept the change that comes. Accept the maturity that comes. Because the Lord wants to, he's, breakthrough is here. Revival is here. And revival is messy. Revival is fun. We watched the Jesus Revolution movie last night. I can talk about that one because that's a Christian movie. That's legal. It's about, it's about Greg Lowry and uh, Chuck Smith and the Jesus Revolution and it was messy. This Calvary Church was, I mean, they had the little 
some of you won't know what this is, but back in the day, there was a little uh, chart that was at the front, and it said how many people attended last week, how many people were in Sunday school, and then it had the numbers of the hymns. See, there, there were these books called hymn books, and the, the songs were numbered. And so they would say, turn to number 85, blessed in the name of Jesus, or uh, by the blood of Jesus, or whatever. And they would say, we're going to sing, because there would be different like verses. We called them stanzas. That's what they were called. And then there was the chorus. And say, so we're going to sing one, three, and five. Let's go. And then the guy would stand up there, the, the song leader, and he would do this. This is like to keep time, to keep the, the congregation on time, right? Like that's how this church was. People wore suits to church, even in California at that time. And barefooted, stinky, unwashed, unshowered, half high, some of them still having to go to jail to, to deal with their issues, hippies show up and it changes I mean, it was the beginning of the Jesus revolution. It was the beginning of, of the Jesus movement. And, I mean, they were taking people out to the, to the Gulf, to the Pirate's Cove, they called it, to get them baptized. And just yesterday, they were high on acid. And today, they know Jesus. And people's lives were being changed. It's here. Revival's messy. They might come in stinky. They might come in without shoes. They might come in with, with piercings and... I don't know, it's not so weird anymore to have piercings and tattoos. That used to be so, sort of radical now. Everybody's got them, like, whatever. It's fine. Like, it's fine. But they're going to come in with questions, and they're going to come in out of the occult. And they're going to be like, yeah, I was astro-projecting yesterday, and I saw this in Spain. And, and you're going to think they're crazy, but that stuff is kind of real. And, and so... They're going to come in with just confused. They're going to want to add Jesus to their Buddha. They're going to add Jesus to their yoga. They're going to want to add Jesus to their Hinduism. They're going to want to add Jesus to the side. And, and somehow or another, we need the, the clarity of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak it into their lives to help them know that there is no other but Jesus. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And there is no other but him. And they're going to need some deliverance and they're going to need some counseling, and they're going to need some mothers and some fathers and some brothers and sisters that tell them how to live because they are coming in from multiple divorced families, and I'm not saying that to anybody to make them feel bad, but it's just we live in a really, really messed up world, and they need Jesus, and they are coming. And so we cannot be so distracted with our own crises, our own dramas, our own issues, our own pain, that we can't then reach out to someone else. And so this morning, the Lord wants to give us some strength to fight these battles. He wants it to be that we can run and not grow weary, meaning we can, we can fight off like Nehemiah. When they were building the walls around Jerusalem, they had a, a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. We're going to have to build while we fight. And some of the battles might be ours, and some of them might be somebody else's. But it's, it's going to be two things at once. But you can do that whenever you know the proper priority and the proper placement. You can do that with the proper placement. My problems are Jesus' problems. His problems are my problems. His problems are the lost. My problems are nothing. He can take care of those in a whisper, in a second. Cancer goes in a second. Bank accounts fill in a second. Restoration happens in a second. It's, it's, I got I to gotta take on what he's wanting to take on. 
And so we got a choice to make today. Stand with me. Let's pray. Let's make this choice. I encourage you, make the hard choice. Lord, today we choose you. We choose you. We are actively looking like a cat waiting for a mouse to come by. We are actively looking. We are ready to pounce on whatever opportunity you place in front of us, Lord. And we say, Lord, you can have every bit of drama and crisis that we have. It is all yours. We surrender it and we trust you with it because you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy, Lord. You are working on our behalf. Like Kirk said last week, you are good and you are able and you are working on that ability. You are working on our behalf, Lord. And so, Lord, we say that with whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever crisis, whatever drama, whatever brokenness, disappointment, betrayal, hurt, pain, Lord, we give it to you. We lay it down at the altar and we leave it there for you to deal with. Now, Lord, show us what we need to get on with. Show us what we need to get on with. Because there is a lost and dying world out there, and they need Jesus. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just release your spirit on us. <laughs> we say, have your way, Lord. Have your way in us, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Not our way, not the drama's way, not the devil's way, not, not our siblings' way, not... The boss's way, have your way, Lord. Give us, Holy Spirit, I ask for supernatural wisdom to know what to do in what situations, what keys that we need to open doors, Lord, what, what keys we need to close doors. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are working in our lives. You have shown up big today. You have shown up so big. And Lord, let it be that we leave here changed, forever changed, not a little changed, forever changed, like 180 changed. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.